Welcome to the Florence Crossroad podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. Y'all had a good Thanksgiving? Yes. You, did you eat enough? No. Well, how many of you uh, were with us last Sunday over at the event center? How many of you were there with us? Uh, how many of you would like to know what we did? <laughs> Nobody here wants to know. Okay. Uh, you know, we had a project, our, our initiative 2020, is three things. One, discipleship initiative, prayer initiative, and then, of course, our financial initiative to help us with the improvements that we're endeavoring to do here with restrooms and other facility needs, security needs, as well as our parking. And those came to an estimate of about $224,000. Right now, in commitments, we're sitting at $260,000. Amen. Can you say praise the Lord for that? And I've had people say, well, what are you going to do with the extra? How many of you have ever, how many of you have ever remodeled anything? <laughs> do I need to say a whole lot more? <laughs> we, we, we estimate these as what we've been given, but when you get into things, you also understand that there may be some overruns. But anything over and above what we uh, anticipate the cost to be, we still have a mortgage on this building. How many of you think it would be appropriate to downsize that mortgage by putting those extras on that? Don't you think that's stewardship? And that's what we will do. If we have that extra over, that's what we're going to do. Right now, we have had not only uh, our goal is 224000 We've received commitments. That doesn't mean we've got the money yet. The good news is we have the commitments. The bad news is still in your pocket. But uh, the the good news is that we do have those commitments, but we have already received over $37,000 in cash towards that. Isn't that good? Amen. And so I'm I'm so grateful, and I'm thankful and humbled by your generosity, and I think you've caught a vision of what we're trying to accomplish here. And we want to stay faithful to that, and uh, we're going to believe God for some big things. I'm excited because I know... There are going to be some testimonies that come out of this that are very unique. How does God help me raise that kind of money? And we're going to hear those testimonies as, as time comes, as, as time goes on, and we, we're excited to hear the stories. God is faithful. Amen? Say that with me. God is faithful, and he wants us to be faithful too. And as we are together, it's going to bring about some great things. A year ago... I preached a message on seven words that were formed around Christmas. And it's seven different people who were given a prophetic word by God concerning Jesus Christ. And I reworked that. I I went back. I'm not going to preach that whole message again. There's a lot there. In fact, if I do that again, it's going to be seven messages. I just determined that that's the way it's got to be. There's a lot of material there. But seven different people were given seven specific prophecies concerning Jesus. And those prophecies were unique. Understand that prophecy 
if it's true prophecy, is not the words of a man, but it's God's intent that he speaks through men. It's what his purpose is in, in that particular arena. And I looked at this again. There, there, there were seven people. Zacharias, one of the words that he was given was the word soterios, salvation. He, he spoke about who Jesus would, would be, and I'm going to come back and, and elaborate on that a little bit more. Mary, you remember Mary? She was given favor. The word kairos is, is the word for favor. It, it's a beautiful word. It's, it's really interesting because most of the time that word is, is translated grace. But six times in scripture, it's translated favor. And here was one of them. How many of you know that you are a favorite of God? Turn to your neighbor and say, you know what? You're one of God's favorites. And, and that's true because his favor rests on his people. He, he wants that for us. When you, when you remember Elizabeth, Elizabeth was, uh, it's an interesting story. And I, I, love, the, I love the way that, um, that Zacharias describes Elizabeth uh, in, the, in the whole event of the birth of John the Baptist. Uh, it, it was kind of unique because if you remember, uh, Zacharias was old. And the angel of the Lord comes to Zacharias and said, Zacharias, Elizabeth, your wife, is going to have a child. And he said, yeah, right. He said, I'm old. And listen to this. And he says, but she's in advanced years. <laughs> Guys, take a lesson here. All right. <laughs> but, but the point of it is, is, is that it was a miracle. It was a miracle. But with Elizabeth, God said, Spokes, speaks the word makarias, which is the word he will be a blessing. You will be blessed, and he will be a blessing. Joseph. Joseph is not the lost figure of Christmas. He has a very specific purpose in this whole, whole dynamic. God spoke to him in guidance. He said, I want you to take the woman and the child and leave here and go to Egypt. I want you, later on, I want you to leave Egypt now and go back to Israel. He, he was given divine guidance. It was a prophetic word given to him that would guide him and guide the very young life of Jesus. To the shepherds, you remember the angels came and it, it says, I bring to you glad tidings of great joy, right? Great joy. I love that word. It, it, it's the word haran in, in, the, in the Greek. And, it, and it's, it's more than just Joy. It's, it's a deliberative moment. It's, it's a powerful thing. Uh, there's one more. I missed it. Where did I miss it? I didn't miss it. Never mind. Uh, and then to Anna. You remember Anna? Anna was an old lady. I, she was advanced in years. <laughs> she was a prophetess. She had been widowed many, many years earlier. And <clears throat> she was... There in the temple, and when Mary came to bring Jesus to be dedicated, she saw this child. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to her and spoke to her in a prophetic word about who this child would be. He would be the redeemer. He would be a redeemer of all mankind. And, and I love that uh, Greek word there's lutrosin, meaning he will redeem, he will Take and redeem means to buy back. Redeem, buy back. 
How many of you know that we were sold to the, to the enemy in a sense? He stole us and God redeemed us through his grace in Jesus Christ. And then the last one, of course, is Simeon, that the older prophet at that point in time, where Anna was, he wasn't too far away. And he came and he spoke how God would bring, through Jesus, he would bring peace. All of these are unique prophetic words that God gave in relationship to the birth of Jesus. But I want to just focus on one this morning. And it's the word that God gave to Zacharias. In in Luke's gospel, chapter 1, it says, Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Verse 76, and says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. Speaking about John the Baptist. To give knowledge of, listen to this, salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Salvation. When I think of Christmas, it's more than all of the beauty and the lights and all of the pageantry that goes with it. That's nothing wrong with that, by the way. It's wonderful to celebrate the birth of Jesus. There's nothing wrong with all of the beauty and the splendor of this season. There's something unique about this time of the year. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I, I, I get this unique moment when I walk into Fred Meyer's, and I don't know why they do, but they put these fragrant cinnamon-laced pine cones. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And you just all of a sudden feel like, hmm, I need a pumpkin latte. No. <laughs> but, but it evokes an emotion in you. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not just about pumpkin lattes or cinnamon scented cones or Christmas trees or the Salvation Army out there ringing the bell. All of those things are wonderful and they all have their place. Christmas is about salvation. It's about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. And that whole message is about the salvation of mankind. That's a big word, salvation. I was explaining this to a young man the other day. And, and, and it, you know, I've been a Christian long enough. I speak Christianese. But the world doesn't necessarily speak that language. How do we explain what salvation is? Salvation, in a simple sense, says I'm lost and now I'm found. Salvation, in, in, in the most wonderful sense, means that, that I, I have need of something that I can't do in myself. It's interesting that in this representation of Christmas, this concept of salvation is so real. The very name of Jesus. I was reading it again in, in Matthew chapter 1 in, in verse uh, 24. It says, or 25, it says, uh, let me read verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him and took him his wife and took to him his wife and did not know her 
until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. And he called his name Jesus. It, it, it isn't just the name Jesus. It's, there's more to the name of Jesus than just Jesus. It's interesting that, that Jesus in that day was never called Jesus. That's a transliteration of the language of the name of who he was. If you go back to the original of it, his, his, his birth name was Yeshua. And when you go back and look and take that apart, you know I'm kind of a word nerd. And I kind of like to look at, at what these words mean. Yeshua or Joshua. How many of you have ever heard of Joshua? There were two. There was the high priest Joshua. And then there was Joshua, the son of Nun, who was the second in command under Moses. And even when Joshua was, was young, when he came to, to Moses, his name was Hoshea, not Yeshua. But Hoshea. And Moses changed his name to Joshua. Yahshua. It, it's interesting, and I know I'm going to lose you in, sec, in a second, but hang, hang steady. Because when God chose to name Jesus, Jesus, he didn't just stop at Hoshea. Hoshea means salvation of the Lord. But when he added the, 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 the Hebrew letter Yod, which the subscript underneath it, you see, Hebrew is an all-consonantal language. It doesn't have any vowels. You have to insert the vowels. And, and so there are subscripted insertion. I, I'm sorry. I just, but, but the word Yod, or the letter Yod, J, and you subscript the letter E, J-E, means God. It means, I am. That literally is what it's saying. I am. What was it that Moses was given the word when he came to the burning bush? Who shall I tell has sent me, he said to God. And God said, I am. I am. So when we hear the word Yeshua or Jesus, and you break that down, it's simply saying, I am the God that saves that's literally what his name means. It's a powerful name. It wasn't just an indiscriminate name. It wasn't a name that he just picked up somewhere. He didn't just find it in 10,000 names that you can put on a child. No, this was a specific word, a specific name, a specifically derived name that he had given to his only begotten son. And it all has to have this concept that this is what Christmas is. Yeshua, I am the God that saves. I'm a God that saves you from your past. I'm a God that saves you from your sin. I'm a God that saves you from your, 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 your way of life, your, your, your bad habits. I am a God that saves you from, from the iniquities that you have created. I'm a God that saves you from the habits that have consumed you. I'm a God that saves you out of all of that. That's the God that we serve. I love that. Was that too much of a word lesson for you this morning? God named his son, and it's important. It's important. But I got to thinking about God said, I am has sent you. 
And I'm reminded that Jesus used that word in the, in the Hebrew. He uses the word egoemi, which is the word I am. But that word I am, those two words are referenced back to whom he was at the beginning with Moses. I am has sent you. And what did Jesus say in that sense? He says, I am the bread of life. He was born in Bethlehem. Beth, the house. Lehem meaning bread. I am the bread of life. Isn't it interesting that the bread of life was birthed in the house of bread? He was birthed in the place where bread was real. How many of you like bread? Some of us, too much. But bread is, is a staple. It, it, it's interesting. I've been all over the world, and, and bread seems to go with every meal. It could be in a tortilla. It could be in, in a bagel. It could be, it could be in, in a in a biscuit, it could be in a ball of rice. It's a staple of life. I read an article that said more people die of loneliness, guilt, depression, insecurity, and heart hunger than they do of physical starvation. Did you catch that? More people die of loneliness, guilt, depression, insecurity, and heart hunger than they do of physical starvation. Bread in the Bible is the symbol of spiritual life. And Jesus said, I have come to give to you spiritual life. I've come to help you with the loneliness. I've come to help you with the guilt. I've come to help you with all of these issues. I am the sustenance of life. That's what he's saying. And God said, this is whom I have sent to you. Regardless of where you live in the world, people have an inborn hunger for something that's something they can't describe. As a friend of mine the other day said to me, there's something missing. That something missing is in every one of our lives. That's something that we're longing for and looking for. That's something that seems to be out of focus in our lives. Haven't you seen it? Haven't we all seen it? People striving for for more education or a bigger home or this thing or that thing in order to somehow satisfy that something inside that is missing. Education is wonderful, but it's not enough. A nice home is wonderful, but it'll never fully satisfy. A big bank account is incredible, but I can't tell you how many people that I have known that have had multiple millions of dollars and are absolutely miserable because they have sought for something that won't satisfy. It's only when they find Jesus, that they'll find the fulfillment of their life. He goes on, he says, I am the light of the world. You know, scientists say they do not know what light is. They can tell you the effect. They can tell you what it has an effect upon living creatures, plants, animals, our world. They can tell you the effect of it, but they can't really tell you what it is. They can tell you what darkness is. Darkness is the absence of light. Hello? How many of you know that light travels fairly quickly? How many of you know darkness travels just one millimeter faster than darkness or than light? 
you turn on a switch and light, darkness just gets out of the way. Not really. <laughs> the point of what I'm trying to share is that, is that we don't know exactly everything about light. But it's amazing to me that, 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 that it has such power and such interest. Isn't it, isn't it just a coincidence that God put this little blue ball called earth in a specific place in, in, in connection to our sun at, at, a, at a right distance, just a right distance between the sun and the earth. If we were any closer or any further away, we'd either burn up or freeze. But God put us exactly where we are at a very unique moment in a rotation that's it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what God did just to create this world. And, and in all of the galaxies and all of the solar systems that, that we've been able to look into, it seems apparent that this is the only one that contains life. Isn't that amazing? No, it's not amazing. It's by divine purpose and plan. It's amazing to me that, that we have this, but God, God has placed this in a unique way. I'm convinced that Jesus Christ is to us what the Son is to this earth. I can't explain everything about him, but I can sure, surely tell you that I understand the effect that he has had on us. Sherry and I have traveled all over. We've been in hospitals that were formed by Christian organizations. We've been in schools and colleges formed by Christian organizations. And out of those things comes the emanation of, of grace and love and hope into a community filled with darkness and hurt. You see, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And when he comes into our life, guess what? That light is in us. And that light wants to be shown through us. Amen? Oh, my. He says, I am the door. Every building I've ever been in has an entrance. Hello? Every building I've ever gone into has had an entrance. But Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door. The kingdom of God has an entrance. But it has an entrance. This building has several entrances. You can come in from here and here and out there and on the other end of the buildings and over here. and over, you, There's several, but there's only one entrance into the kingdom of God. There may be a lot of doors. A lot of people say, well, there's many ways to God. No, there's only one way to God. Everything else is a dead end. You, you understand that? Jesus is the only one that came into this world to assume the debt of our life to die for the sins that we have committed, to live before God so that he could intercede on our behalf because there's a devil in this world that wants to bring accusation against you that you've done this and you've done this and you've done this and guess what? We did, but God saved us from that. He forgave us of that. He took the penalty of all of that from us and he stands before the Father day and night representing us, saying to the Father, it's under my blood. I died for them. No other religion has that. Every other religion is you having to work and earn and, and achieve. You have to be good. You have to do this. You have to pay this. You have to... All of this stuff of your investment. But not in what Jesus did. He came to do it all. We have 
to believe. Amen? That's the bottom line. It's a gift. Glory to God. It's under the tree. No, it's in my life. It's a gift. He says, I am the true vine. You know, it's interesting. This passage, this passage happens at the very end of, of Jesus' life with his disciples in the book of John, chapter 15. And, and he's making a statement. He's making a reference. He's simply saying, when we receive Christ, he gives to us his Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that produces the fruit in our life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, mercy, all of these things. All of these things are wonderful. They're wonderful. They're a fruit. But it has to mature. It has to grow. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us grow with patience. You know, that's one of the things that I've never prayed for. Because I'm afraid that if I ever prayed for it, God would give me the occasion to have to test it. Hello? I don't, I don't pray for that. I just live around people. That'll test your patience. Amen. But it's a supernatural thing. Think about this. God, God helps us to love even our enemies. Even those that have despitefully used us. Even those that have done evil against us. Even those who have harmed us and hurt us. It's a supernatural thing. Because in the natural, when we've been wounded and hurt, our defenses go up and it's easy for us to say no, never again. No, I don't want that. No, I, I hate that. No, I'm going to allow bitterness to grow and cause this wall of division. But that's not what Jesus came to do. He came to give to us as the true vine attached to him. He gave to us the sustenance of the Holy Spirit who allows us, allows us to even love those who have hurt us. That's a big thing. Let's reverse it. He allows others to love us when we have hurt them. It's not always a one-way street here. It's not always somebody else hurting me. Sometimes I've wounded others. God forbid. I mean, if you understand what I'm saying. And God allows me to love them, but he also has allowed his spirit to be in them to love me. You don't need to say amen right now. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives up his life for the sheep. In John chapter 10. Sheep by nature aren't the brightest puppy in the pound. I have very poor eyesight. They don't have the greatest capacity for intelligence. They don't always do the right things. They're easily, easily wounded. They're, they're, they're prey to almost any animal that would want to devour them. 
They're not fast. They're not quick. I have found out that sheep bite. As an under-shepherd of Jesus, I've had a few bites. Sheep need a shepherd. In the 23rd Psalm, Jesus or David gives us such a beautiful illustration of, the, of, of a shepherd and sheep. He leads them. He guides them. He anoints them. He brings them to good pasture. He, he takes care of them. He shelters them. His rod and staff provide protection for them. Beautiful story. Shepherd, shepherds live with their sheep. Shepherds are there when no one else is there. Jesus said, I'm with you always. I'm with you always, even to the end of, to the, end of the age. What, what, whatever happens, however sick you may get, no matter how tragedy, tragic the losses in your life might become, I'm still there. Because he's the shepherd. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. All of this comes out of Yeshua. I am the God that saves. I am the resurrection and the life. When his dear friend died, Lazarus, he came to the tomb on the fourth day. It's interesting that it was the fourth day because in the Jewish mind, resurrection or life could come back into that body within three days. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was in the tomb three days? But he comes to Lazarus' tomb the fourth day. You know what that meant? Lazarus was dead. He was gone. Mary said, he stinketh. <laughs> that meant the natural dynamics of life and death had already begun. And he said, come forth. And he did. And when Jesus raised him from the dead, it was an example of what Jesus can do for you and me spiritually. We can become new creatures. How many of you, I don't think I'd be married today if I hadn't come to Jesus. Because the way I lived before that, I don't think my wife would have put up with me. How do you know? No, <laughs> I'm telling you, it wouldn't have worked. Because when Christ came into me, my life, it wasn't just checking a box off. It was a transformational moment in my life. It was a radical 180 degree turnaround in my life. The things that I had so longed for before weren't there anymore. I had no desire for those things anymore. I think I was the only kid in Bend, Oregon that was grounded because he snuck out to go to church. I disobeyed mom and dad. That's why I was grounded. But why I snuck out was I wanted to go to church. 
I couldn't get enough of it. And it wasn't church. It was just being in the presence of the Lord. It was just being taught the word of God. It was just this something inside of me that craved to know more about this incredible God that would give us his only son. And you know what? I've never lost that. And I want to tell you about this great God that I know that can redeem you and help you and heal you and deliver you and give you victory. This is the God that I serve. And when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, he means that. Resurrecting my life right where it is. Transforming my life into something so much greater and better. I have no idea where my life would have been without Jesus. I can only tell you this. It would not have been good. But I'm grateful to God. And I'm grateful to my wife. Because she led me to Jesus. Jesus said this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except for me. This is how we come to God. This is... This is the Holy Spirit working. I, I love the way he works. Sometimes, sometimes he speaks to us in, in quiet moments of meditation. Sometimes we're just driving. We sense something. Sometimes we've just had this thought in our mind about God, and, and we begin to think in terms of what does that mean? Who is he? What is, and, and we begin to find people speaking into our life. Sometimes it's through very cataclysmic moments in life where things stop. We've had a... a, a, a a, a moment when something hits us hard and we've had a loss of some form and, and, and we begin to question and cry out and God begins to show. I believe God in his wonder and in his means and ways, he has wonderful ways of grabbing our attention so that we can fully look to him. How many of you know what I'm saying? I, I can tell you this, that when our life is in transition, it's when we're most, we're most, open to the change that God can bring into our life. And sometimes it's not fun. But I'm convinced that God wastes nothing. He doesn't waste any motion, any commotion, or any emotion. Everything that happens in our life, there's a purpose behind it. I'm convinced of that. All things, listen to this, all things work together for the good to them who love the Lord and are approved of him. All things, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Salvation, salvation is not, salvation is not an event. It's a process. And it starts the moment you take your first breath. And the circumstances that he allows into your life guide you. I believe that he, he has done that for all seven plus billion people on this planet. He's put circumstance and situation in their life that draw them to this this. God that cares about them. 
And he brings us to those places where we call out to the Lord. As my friend, I was talking with the other day, he says, I, I don't understand why you're here. Why did you show up? Why did you come to talk to me? Did somebody send you? As a matter of fact, I was sitting next to my girlfriend in her home because I got there a bit early one morning. And her dad always prayed for his girls before he sent them off to school. And I sat there next to Sherry. And her dad would come and he'd lay hands on them and he'd pray over them for God's protection and grace. I'd never had this happen in my life. He put his hand on my head and he began to pray for me. And something deep inside of me welled up and I couldn't explain it. I still can't explain it. But my spirit connected with the spirit of the living God. God's spirit began to provoke me. And man, I'm sucking back tears because I'm not going to cry in front of those girls. I'm serious. It was, the most, it was the most impacting moment of my life. It was the first time I'd ever encountered the spirit of the living God like that. I couldn't explain it. <clears throat> I'm sitting there sucking in for everything I'm worth. Excused myself, went and got in the car. Girls came out. I kind of composed myself, and <clears throat> we went, went to school. I was early the next morning. Dad laid his hands on me, and the same thing happened again. God's after you. He cares about every human life. And he has sent his Holy Spirit to draw us. And he will use whatever methods and whatever means that it takes to draw us to him because we are that precious to him. So when God named him Jesus, I am the God that saves. He has your name attached to that sentence. And he will use whatever means by whatever possibility he will use to draw you into his sweet presence. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only puppy in his pound that he's ever done that with. He's used you. He's used other people. He's drawn people into your life to draw you into his presence so that we can understand how magnificent he is. What a gift for Christmas. Amen. He loves you, dear friends. He loves you. And he'd give it to us, the greatest gift of all. Perhaps there's a gnawing in your heart that's aching for something. Perhaps there's just something missing that you can't explain. I think I can explain a portion of it to you. That something missing is that revelation and that vitality of life that only Jesus Christ can bring. Would you stand with me this morning?
When Jesus was making those declarations, he was fulfilling the word of those seven prophecies given to those seven people about his birth. And you shall name him I am the God that saves. <laughs>